Welcome to Economics Happy Hour. My name's Matt. And I'm Jadrian. Uh, great to have you here with us today. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, Jadrian, what's new? Uh, you know, I just got back from a little personal trip. Uh, so getting bogged down in Blacksburg, I needed a little... Blacksburg is a great place to be, but it's a small town, right? You know, Sealands Grove is uh, its a great small town yep. for a couple weeks at a time. And then you get that itch to, to get out and get away. Uh, yeah. So I did that. I, had, I got the itch. I needed to leave. I drove down to Bristol, Tennessee, which is uh, turns out it's only like two and a half hours away or so. Okay. Uh, because they have a bunch of collegiate summer baseball teams down there. And I wanted to mark off some stadiums. Uh, but really cool thing happened. Uh, do you know what Bristol is famous for? Uh, Motor Speedway. Motor Speedway. That's right, sir. Uh, me, I am addicted to just doing really weird things. It just so happened the weekend I was down there, the Rusty Wallace driving experience was in town. I got to ride in a NASCAR no around the Bristol Speedway. Uh, for five laps, five or six laps. That would that would be a blast. Yeah, that would be, that would be fun. <laughs> it was a Father's Day special, so I got it for a hundred bucks. I got to ride in circles. Oh, that's a great uh, deal. That's a great yeah, deal. Yeah, I did the riding. I didn't do the driving. Uh, you yeah. could drive a couple laps. I think that started at two hundred dollars. Uh, but I don't drive a manual, and um, you know they kind of told us they were like, look, if you drive, you need to drive a lot of laps to make it worth it. And I'm not dropping like hundreds of dollars to do this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and they said like, you're never going to go as fast as the professional drivers are going to go. Sure. So you, you might as well sit in the uh, in the passenger seat and just enjoy it. So yeah, yeah. I got to go down. Like I, I walked through the tunnel of Bristol, got to go out there, put the suit on, the helmet. Um, yeah. Tons of fun. Just it's, it's yeah. I love doing just really weird things. Neat, neat. Yeah, you check off stadiums and you're, well, you've checked off more than I have. Like I do, you know, check off Broadway shows. Mm-hmm. But we we went to we went to a show Saturday. The Tonys was a week ago Sunday, and in our house, that's like, you know, we literally <laughs> have a Tonys party, um, like people would do a Super Bowl party, but mm-hmm. for the Tony Awards with themed drinks and foods and all of the stuff. But we saw Leah Poltstadt, which won Best Play, Ooh. which absolutely fantastic. It's only on by the time this episode drops. Actually, it's not on Broadway anymore. Okay. But uh, it may tour. So if it does tour, I'd highly recommend it for anybody. So this is, uh, I, you know, I made this comment, actually, I, I, I think I tweeted it. I quote tweeted it because I realized I had hit the 200 mark. Uh, so I'm over 200 on stadiums. Um, and I, just hearing you say it, I think is a good chance for us to talk about it. And I, I think it's true for this podcast, too. I feel incredibly fortunate that we have the types of jobs that let us do these really goofy things. Sure. Right. That yep. you can go to New York easily and, and go watch Broadway shows, or you can go travel. Like if you're in a yeah. different city, uh, we have such flexibility with our jobs that we can oh, do yeah. these sorts of cool things. Yeah. And seeing shows is like, literally, I mean, I brought Broadway and economics book and I maintain the website. Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, it's a lot of fun, but I also think like kind of, it's, it's kind of a little bit of work. Yeah. Um, there's an audience and, it's really, really fun work, yeah. But it's also work, which is fantastic. Yeah, it's it's super interesting. Like, I don't think any, I don't think much of the stadium stuff. It's it's something that I'd like personally do for fun, and I put online. Uh, it is always really surprising when I meet people, and they are like shocked that I go to this many stadiums and that I've been to these places. Um, and it turns into things where people are like, "Oh, we're going to invite you for a talk so that you can get more stadiums." And I was like, "Yeah, yeah absolutely. Like, you're going to pay me to go do what I like to do anyway." And yeah. I get to see stadiums. Tons of fun. Yeah, I've had people in different colleges say they'd like to invite invite me down at some point. 
And I, you know, some of the time it's not for money. If it's mm-hmm. at a college, it'd be to come present, but they'll cover the expenses. I'm yeah. like, that's fantastic. When is the football or basketball team playing? Yes. And, and whenever that is, then, then, then I'm good. We'll, we'll I'm like, look, you don't, I, there didn't have to be a game. I go, you just put me in connection with somebody who will unlock the stadium and I'm pumped. As long as I don't there. have to take the outside picture. Uh, I'm super excited. So that yeah. happened at Seatree, Mike Urbanchik, um, super cool guy. He's the big lecturer yep. Yep. at Oregon. Um, he. I think he's on like their board of directors for the student bookstore, which has is right is placed in the stadium. So like he knows a guy who knows a guy who knows a guy. Um, And so they were able to get me like an official like university of Oregon tour. And they like walked me through different parts of the stadium and stuff. Very cool. It was so cool Um, just to be able to go inside rather than just take a picture from the outside. Yeah. But Bristol was was so cool to be standing in the middle, hearing the race cars going around. It was so cool. Such a cool experience. So what are you drinking today? All right. I am uh, going to your hometown. Well, I'm going to call it hometown. I'm your neighboring town. Um, I went to Black uh, State College uh, a couple months ago uh, to see a friends and and watch some softball. And I got a gift. I got two six packs of beers that I have never had from nice. your nearby, I think, favorite brewery. I'm going to call it your favorite. At least it's one of your favorites. Rusty Rail. Little Rusty Rail. So I'm going to show you the bottom half of it. Yeah. Uh, so he went through my untapped and like checked to see if I had any of these. So he's a good friend. Uh, that's, I'm having that's the, really cool. I know, right? He's a good guy. Uh, the cheat day, blackberry cobbler sour. And I decided to go deep into my pint glass uh, cabinet. I got a blue pint glass from the yeah. Atlantic Brewery um, up in Maine. I went with my parents uh, a few before the pandemic. Uh, Bar Harbor, Maine is the America's original blue blueberry ale. Bar Harbor blueberry ale is what they're famous for. So I figured I'd get a blueberry ale cup and a blackberry sour. That's as close Very as nice. I can get to it. So something a little different. So yeah, Pennsylvania. My, my wife would, she's not happy with the sheer, the number of pint glasses we already have. So okay. a pint glass collection is not something that would make our marriage as sustainable. So this smells so good. Ugh. <laughs> I am uh, it's summertime I wanted something a little light and refreshing so I went to one I have had before but had a Moscow mule uh, is this a virgin uh, Moscow mule this or is a... not one okay. this one has the vodka in it, in it. but um, yeah Ooh. those those who listen regularly will recall that during dry January uh, virgin Moscow mule is a gives you the illusion of having a drink <laughs> without having a drink so I will put this in our show notes but I plan on tweeting this so uh my Twitter followers will see it. Uh, those of you who don't follow me on Twitter, that's perfectly okay. You can get this in the show notes. I was at Kroger the other day. I think you'll find this kind of interesting. Um, you know the Simply Lemonade, Simply Orange Juice company? They make the in the bottles, mm-hmm. right? Simple, simply huh? Juice. Um, I was walking by the other day. They are now in the mixology business. I'll see if I can hold my phone okay. up here. See if that'll focus. It yeah. won't. Um, but they have Simply Mixology Lime Margarita. So you... You pour a little bit of right. It's it's got you just they've got the they they're basically making mixers. So you um, put the tequila with it, and you've got the mixing. Yeah, right. and then, okay. and then you already got the mix ready. And yeah, that, nice. I just looked at that and I go, that is an amazing, like forethought of like I'm gonna mix two industries. Like people are already using yeah. my limeade to make this. We might as well capitalize on it too. They've got all the stuff to make it. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah, I thought that was neat. Yeah. A good expand right. Uh, horizontal like i i i don't teach vertical yeah. and horizontal integration right so yeah horizontal marketing 
something like that. I would think that, yeah, expanding the product line, I think that'd be horizontal. Well, no, I'll, I'll wait until they come up with a Simply IPA. But uh, <laughs> well, you might, might be able to get a Sim- maybe you'll get a Simply Moscow. Maybe they'll start making a ginger beer. Simply, and simply mule mix with some Gosh, lime. It's so easy to make that though. You pour in the ginger beer, you pour in lime juice. I, I mean, yeah. but, but they do have some of those still. They'll have the pre-made mix for those who pouring the lime juice and the ginger beer separately is, is too much work. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. um, um, so I will, let me give a shout out to Rusty Rail. This is actually, when I was in state college, this was one of my favorite breweries. Uh, it is in Mifflinburg, PA. It has some of the most intense flavors. Like if you get a, fl- I, I don't want to call it a flavored beer, but like if it says that it is a peanut butter stout, um, you will ha- when you drink it, you will have no doubt that there's peanut butter in it. Yes. Um, yeah. compared to, you know, I've had chocolate stouts where I'm like, I guess there's chocolate in this. Like, yeah. I guess there's coffee in this coffee stout. Um, I'm already psyched for this because I know that this is about to give me huge flavors of blackberry cobbler when I drink it. Very nice. Yeah, it's about a half hour from Sealands Grove, um, Mifflinburg. So it's a nice little town, a really cool brewery. So, and we, yeah. we, you know, we're not sponsored by them. So, like, yet, for those, this is the authentic. For those of you, li- yet, if, yes. if you work at, if you work at Rusty, Rusty Rail, yeah. So, we have an interesting, we think it's interesting show for you today. We're going to go through a list of economics books, give you our thoughts, and then also share our opinions on some of our favorite econ books yeah so So, actually matt you know i was thinking about this earlier Uh, a couple episodes ago you and i talked about game theory uh we completely forgot to talk about this in the past uh in the last episode so i guess this is this is enough time has passed we actually played a game and we said we posted it in the show notes about which answer was the least popular answer uh since we're trying to get people more involved right like uh figure we should actually talk about the results of that poll i don't know if you actually did you ever go look at it I don't know that I did. Okay, so. let me. I'm gonna pull this up while I can. My mouse is not working. Is this uh, so on, Matt, subs, on our Substack. This is on our Substack. Yeah, I've got it. Um, Matt and I asked a question of like, if you had to basically ask students or ask people to, which answer would be the least popular answer out of options? So option A, B, C, D, or E. Um, so normally, if you said you know everybody vote on an answer, which one's gonna be the most popular? Most people would probably pick C. I think that's a very common like student. The answer is always C sort of thing. Uh, but if you switch it up and say, which one would be the least popular answer? Did you look at the results? I just did right now. Oh, dang it. I was going to see if I could oh, get you Oh, you're going to try to do it. With, do it I was going to try to get it to you. Uh, so I will share the results of that. Uh, for those of you who don't do the Substack, if you're just listening on Google uh, or listen on Spotify or Apple Music, first off, thank you. Uh, but the least popular answer was actually option A. Uh, option B was the most popular well, it looks like C and D were tied. A was the least chosen, least yes. popular. You know, it asks, what do you think will be the least popular? So the fewest people thought it would be least popular. Yes. So most no, more. That's right. Yeah. The majority think the least popular will be B. Which is actually the most popular answer because most people pick that. Yeah, that's a weird question. <laughs> that's why it makes it hard. It's tough. Thank you to the 25 who respond. <laughs> so we appreciate we, that. We love it. Yeah, um, okay, yeah. so books. Let's talk about books. Um, Matt is a, I don't want to say a recovering reader. Matt is a, would you describe yourself as an optimistic reader? How would you, how would you describe yourself? I don't know. I like to read. I do not read nearly as much as you read. Um, you, I probably read half as many books as you read. I listen a little bit more on Audible. I might read mm-hmm. 25 a year total. Well, hey, if you read half as many as I do, 
Uh, you read way more than the average person. Well, um, yeah. I th- <laughs> Five is, you know, more than the average. I wonder if I can find it real fast. So I think if I remember correctly, yeah. So a third of, I found the Pew results. I'll, I'll, we'll put these in the show notes too. Mm-hmm. A third of Americans say they read both print and digital books in the past year. Um, about a quarter of people say they don't read at all. Uh, no books during the year. Uh, so I think we're, we're, we're part of a good company, but I think our listeners are probably, they're probably reading or maybe they want to read a book. So a few years ago, um, so we can kind of make this like a, we'll call it pre-pandemic, post-pandemic, because there's been a lot of great books that have come out uh, since the pandemic. So pre-pandemic, I surveyed a bunch of different economics educators. So I did this back in 2017. So it's been almost, it's been more than five years I really should update it. Maybe that maybe we can make an econ happy hour book club or something. Maybe you know we could add another thing to our list of things we want to do. So I surveyed 117 different people and I said, "Hey, if you had students come up to you and they wanted to start a book club." All right, so let's say Matt, we'll give you I'll give you the same prompt. If you had students come up to you at Susquehanna and they said, "Dr. Rosu, we want to start a book club. What should be our first book that we should read for our book club?" What would you recommend to students who are interested in their first book, book club, econ, non-econ majors mixed together? It, it very much depends on what I think the group is, like what, what the goal is. So are they going to be reading a, a huge number? If you're thinking, what's the best? We want the mo- ba- most classic best econ book. Yeah, right. right? So it's non-majors, yep. majors, you know, they're just trying and to learn And if they're saying we econ. want the best, you know, then I would say capitalism and freedom. Interesting choice. That actually came in at number 10. So okay. that that did make the top 10 did list. Did make the top 10. So I would think, but it depends. If I'm looking, if it's a group and you're like not sure and you're like, we need mm-hmm. something really happy and fun. Okay. It might be something different. I don't know off the top of my head what it is. Once upon a time, it would have been Freakonomics, but now it's been like 15 years, right? I mean. Freakonomics is the number one, was the number yeah. one recommendation. Yeah. There you uh, go. You picked, you bookended this, Matt. You didn't book even realize <laughs> I like it. I like you book it. Did you got you got Freakonomics as Freakonomics was the number one by and far, far and away top yeah, yeah. recommendation, which I think not surprising. I mean, there's obviously people who hate Freakonomics. Um, I mean, yeah, I can I'll link that in the show notes. There's an interesting podcast about that. But um, but, but it no, has, it's an interesting way of thinking yeah. like an economist, right? It has sold over four million copies, right? It's got a podcast, yeah. a movie, follow up books. It it's popular. Yeah, yeah. You want to guess any? Has in store, right? You, you want to guess any of the other ones? I'm kind of curious if you can get some of these other ones. Um, I asked this in 2017. Let's see, 2017 would misbehaving be on there? Misbehaving is on there. Yes, that's number um, two. Okay. Uh, Richard Thaler had just recently won the Nobel Prize, so uh, Richard Thaler. There's got to be make... something from Krugman or Stiglitz, right? Can you give me the author? Can you? Would there be something? I would imagine there there's been... not anything. Not in the top ten. From Krugman or Stiglitz. Okay. Um, uh, would Capital have made it by Piketty? No, I think Capital came out the year after that. No, it was before 17. Oh, okay. Yeah, I taught a, I taught a class and I mean, I and we read all sorts of books from left to right. Uh, would the Communist Manifesto have made the list? No. I mean, no, but that's an interesting one too. Um, an interesting I mean, if you're looking for econ history, right? I mean, it's. Oh, um, speaking of econ history, I will say econ history did make the list at number nine. Econ history. Okay. History of economic thought, technically, I guess. Okay. I don't know this. Uh, so that's you, the title of you the know book. This, but it's famous. No, no. Uh, sorry, econ his, history of economic thought is the subject. Okay. You know this one. I'm sure I do. 
It's a classic, The Worldly Philosophers. Okay. I do know that. And I don't know that I've read that one, though. I have. Okay. I don't recommend it. I I didn't like it. Okay. So other books. um, I mean, Freakonomics is on there. Are the sequels on there? Yep. Yep. Okay, Okay, good. Super Uh, Freakonomics comes in as number eight. I I was not a Super Freakonomics. Oh, man. I was I like Freakonomics a lot when it came out. Yeah. I thought I was I, I don't know that I've ever been more disappointed in a book than Super <laughs> Freakonomics. I mean, maybe it was because I was excited, yeah. but so the first book, it's these neat little problems and it's yeah. the economic way of thinking. The second book is we're gonna figure okay, the world's biggest problem that nobody can ever figure out. We've got it. We got it. <laughs> yeah, nobody, you know, nobody's Crime, been able to climate figure it change, out. terrorism. Every single thing right. I mean, like the sheer arrogance on it. Um, yeah. Uh, but and so I yeah I was wildly disappointed and I you know and part of it was the first book was kind of so revolutionary in some ways yeah. but um no so I will so, say there's I, there's I, another I mean, Thaler book in there you got you got so, misbehaving what's oh, his other book nudge nudge is in there okay. yep 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 um so and now we've got you're knocking n- these out we've got four from free we've got the freakonomics super freakonomics we've got nudge and we've got misbehaving, misbehaving. so that's gives we've you four. got um capitalism and freedom that's yep. five and we have worldly philosophers for six yes um, so i'll give you i'll yeah. give you genres will that help okay okay so we have two behavioral ones they come in at three and four and we have two general economics is what i'll consider them okay just broad um, like econ. i would if i'm teaching a class that has eight or nine books thomas Sowell is absolutely one of them and i wouldn't imagine he made the list that's why I he did not make yet. the list of the general um, economics i would, I would say broader think, i would think tyler cohen has some good book but i wouldn't think he nope. does i mean is it like um the economic naturalist kind of books it's like those yes, kinds it's like those books. kind it's not that um, one but it's like those the this is tough because like one of them i actually haven't read um i've read most of these um yeah. i didn't read um, one of them i just wasn't wasn't interested Naked economics, kind of number six. That is on there. Okay. Number six, yeah, yeah, Charlie Whelan, and yeah, for the pop. Okay, the who in the world are the other? I'm trying to think, what are the other behavioral books that have been recent? Oh, um, the Nobel Prize winner Kahneman, yes. uh, Thinking yes. Fast and Slow. Yes, that's number yeah. three. Um, Matt, you're good at this. You're yeah. having flashbacks like five years ago. This is a pre-pandemic. Our answer, I think my answers would definitely change of like, what's my favorite books since this list came out. Um, yeah. I likely would have recommended, like I would have recommended a group to read Freakonomics um, if they hadn't read it. Like that's a great book club book. Yeah. Um, I would have recommended Misbehaving. I I, I kind of looked through this list. I'm like, yeah, I would have recommended some of these. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know that I would recommend them now. I think there's better books now. Sure. He's definitely up there. So do you want me to give them away? You want to guess? Yeah, you can give them away. I think we've stalled the audience's time enough. (laughs) Uh, Number four, Predictably Irrational by Dan Ariely. Yep. And number seven, Economics Rules, Danny Roderick. Okay. Which I thought was an interesting, right? It's that general econ sort of perspective. Okay. So part of the reason Matt and I wanted to talk about this is right at summertime, uh, you know, instead of giving you teaching advice, uh, a lot of our listeners are are winding down for the summer. The professors out there have probably been wound down for a little bit. Uh, our high school teachers have, you know, I hope that you're enjoying summer break and you're getting a chance to kind of rest and relax if possible. Uh, but we figured now would be a good time to, you know, talk about books in case you need something to read for the month of July. And so yeah. that was the list, you know, 
five years ago, the most popular econ books at the time. If you had, let's say, not a student, but a uh, an economics teacher, an economics professor who just you know wasn't reading before, but wants to start reading, what would you recommend to them? And once again, a lot of it's context context dependent. Um, mm-hmm. So I will go through. Um, I am re-listening to Knowledge and Decisions by Thomas Sowell um, okay. right now, which I think is a fantastic and humbling book. Uh, and it's and a decisions. long book. It's okay. a very long book. Um, but it is just kind of interesting and in thinking about how are decisions made and how what are the or what are the entities that would make decisions correct or incorrect, you know, like come to the right or the wrong. What are the incentive structure on the decision making bodies? So that's one that's interesting. I don't know that I recommend that to everybody. <laughs> I think that's actually a really good one for econ professors and almost any okay. professors, anybody who has an audience to to have a platform for discussing public policy, I think okay. should read knowledge and decision. So I think that's better almost for professors than others. Mm-hmm. Now, if you're looking for a really fun one that I read recently, um, Peter Leeson wrote The Invisible Hook. Hook, yeah, that's, that's an interesting one. Just a lot of fun on the economics of pirates. Um, let, me, let, me, let me pause and interject here, right? Because I don't know if you heard what Matt just said. He did say, the economics of pirates. And if you're wondering how in the world can pirates tell you about economics, one, you need to read Pete's book because yes. it is super interesting. Uh, but I'll give you just a little preview of, of that book that is always just so fascinating. Um, right? Pirates don't want to fight other people. And so it talks about how like the Jolly Roger flag is like a great symbol of signaling. Uh, and it's supposed yep. to sort of scare you and force you into just surrendering because uh, otherwise they're just going to kill you instead. And so it's a it's a super fascinating book. I, I love I love that book. It's just so different and so cool. Yeah, completely agree. The um, yeah, there's a lot to it. I won't I won't spoil more. But just the way they organize their business, the way they paid wages. Yeah, within you have entity. a bunch of criminals. You have to organize criminals to not be criminals on the boat, right? Like it's it's really yeah. it's really That's a good um, fascinating. Um, so I will, I've got more that I've read recently that I really liked, but I'll give one more um, okay. shout out to, you know, the likely future Nobel Prize winner, University of Chicago economist, and now the chief, um, chief economist at Walmart, John, John List. Litt. John okay. List wrote The Voltage Effect. Yeah, I read that actually um, recently. I yeah. really enjoyed uh, it. So I'll be fair. John List is on Twitter. So I will tag him and say that we talked about him. Yeah. I did not think I was going to like it. Um, I read the summary of it and I bought the book just as like a support type thing. And I was like, ah, you know, I'm not really, I'm not going to start a business. Like I'm, like, I'm not an entrepreneur. Like I, I don't, I was sort of buying it so that I could read it to say that I read it. And then I sat down and started reading it and I was like, oh my God, this is actually, this is not about what I thought the book was about. Yeah. And it was actually much better. No scaling good ideas, right? Mm-hmm. Like, um, thinking through you know, it's it. So I thought that was fantastic. So I've mentioned a few. I could go through more, um, but I will give you a second to name a couple recent Just a books second. that you might throw out. Or okay. So if I was recommending books to people, I think exactly what you said, right? Like the audience definitely matters. But if I try to imagine, if I had to recommend an economics book to I'm going to be very broad and say just like, right, people who are interested in economics in some form or fashion. I'm going to give you, um, I'll give you two. 
I'll give you two that I really like that are relatively recent. And then I'll give you one that is, I'm going to say very, you have to be very nerdy in order to like my third option. Okay. So the two that I really like that I would recommend to just about anybody, one uh, is called 50 Inventions That Shaped the Modern Economy by Tim Harford. Absolutely amazing. So you mentioned earlier his book, The Undercover Economist. He was really famous for that when it came out. Sort of this idea of like, how does an economist like look at these problems and like uncover stories? Like that was sort of the the pitch on it. This book, 50 Inventions That Shaped the Modern Economy, is, I mean, it kind of gives it away, right? It's There's 50 things that he's going to talk about. uh, And he sort of does, it's like every invention, I'm going to put inventions in quotes, even though you can't see me moving my fingers. Um, It's inventions or things that society has come up with that has really changed what we're doing today. And he even opens and talks about how like, it's not going to be, he's not going to say the cell phone. Like the cell phone has obviously changed the modern economy. Like mm-hmm. it changed what how we survive. He tries to go like a little bit deeper. So like one of the examples in there, I think he opens with the idea of like the plow of how like the plow actually had for agriculture, just such a bigger, like a, a bigger impact than you could ever imagine. Um, so like one of the examples is like the shipping container of how they used to ship stuff before, you know, stacking it all on ships. And then all of a sudden sure. you can commodify it and and stick it all in a shipping container. And so it's that sort of thing. Like how has a shipping container changed the economy today? How has like the welfare state changed the economy today? He talks about like birth control. How did that change how women participate in the workforce today? Super fascinating. And what I really like about it is each invention is essentially because it's a single book, each invention is only like four pages long. So he sort of kind of rapid fire goes through the backstory of it. Those are nice books to read. Absolutely. It's so good. I really, really enjoyed it. I, will, um, so I haven't read that. I will. I've added yeah. that to my list here. It's a it's a nice mix of like history, economics. You know, he tries to present it not as economics, um, yeah. but he'll say things right. He'll talk about externalities. He'll talk about transaction costs, things like that. Uh, so that one fascinating book. Uh, number two came out right during the pandemic, or like shortly after the pandemic. So I'm checking. Yeah, published September 2020. Um, it is called Money, and I don't know if we've actually talked about this on. This I've, I um, I I have I, th- I believe I have read Money. Um, okay, I'm looking so mon- through my my list right now on Audible, yeah. but I believe I've had it on Audible. Oh no, I read the Psychology of Money. Not okay, Money. So this is Money: The True Story of a Made Up Thing by Jacob Goldstein. Uh, so Jacob Goldstein used to be the host of Planet Money. So you probably recognize it. You know, those of you who like Planet Money or NPR, you likely recognize his voice from a lot of those stories. It is essentially like a Planet Money telling of how money sort of came about. Uh, so it opens up with talking about, um, and now I can't think of the name of the person, but right there's this idea of a singer who's traveling and she gets paid in chickens and fruit and vegetables, but like, how is she supposed to actually take this with her? Uh, so you need money in order to do that. So it kind of works its way through the evolution of money, talking about barter and then seashells and then coins and then notes and then digital money. And so the setup of it, I really like it because it sort of, it presents a scenario and it says, you know, how do we pay for this? You know, we pay for things with barter, you know, you're going to work for us and we're going to give you a bunch of chickens and pigs and bread. Um, And so it kind of talks about why that works. And then at the end of the chapter, it says, yeah, but those things go bad. Like you don't want to carry around chickens for everything you've done. Yep. And then it introduces the next thing. So it says like, okay, now we'll use rocks. Uh, And then it talks about sort of, I think the old like seashell example of trading shells. Uh, And then it says, well, here's the problem with shells. Now we've introduced notes or I guess coins would be next. 
And then it talks yep. about how people shave off coins. So then they use paper notes. Uh, so it's a really neat sort of chronological history. Um, but towards the end, you know, it talks about things like digital currency. So it does talk about like checking credit cards, things like that. But yep. then it gets into Bitcoin, cryptocurrency a little bit. Uh, it does talk about modern monetary theory a little bit. Um, and then especially because it came out right at the, right in the, kind of the midst of the pandemic, um, it talks a little bit about, you know, spending in that sense. So fascinating sort of macro history. If you are a high school teacher who's teaching principles of ma- or AP macro, if you're a principles of macro instructor, you're going to recognize all of this probably from your curriculum of barter notes, yep. you know, what is money, uh, but it's got great stories in it. Really cool. No, very cool. Very cool. So what's your third? Okay. So I said, I'm going to give you two econ ones. So if you're an e- if you're listening to this podcast, those two books should be right up your alley. Absolutely. I think any of you would enjoy that. Matt, I'm going to give you the weirdest book recommendation I have ever given somebody. As a okay. Book recommendation. But it is, I found it so fascinating. And this is going to be, I think the, like, it's going to exemplify how absolutely nerdy I am, you are. And I think when I tell you what this book is, I think you're going to, you're going to pause for a second, but you're actually going to think about how cool this is. The book is called, it was published in 2008. The book is called The Drunkard's Walk, How Randomness Rules Our Lives. Have you heard of this book? Don't believe I have. Oh my God. It is so cool. It is actually a history telling of statistics. And so it talks about how, um, you know, back in like back hundreds of years ago, we didn't understand how like probabilities work and how chance Mm -hmm. worked. And so like, they didn't understand that if you rolled, I think they talked about like a six-sided log, how if you rolled a six-sided log, they didn't, they could not comprehend how you had a one in six chance of landing it on one side. Like what we know as very obvious probabilities, statistics. So it talks about like Bayes rule and it talks about um, like Bernoulli and like where Bernoulli, like where the Bernoulli distribution comes from and who is Bernoulli and where it like, it is like, you'll read it and you'll recognize these stats names. So it'll talk about Gauss and like the Gaussian distribution. Um, But it's all about kind of statistics and where they came from. And it kind of does this like back and forth of like, here's history. And here's how like, we didn't understand how probabilities work. And then like some people sort of understood. And so they could like take advantage of people who didn't understand. And then like, that's where new laws came from and stuff. Absolutely fascinating book about sort of this like mix of, uh, of history and, but it's all about statistics. So you, you've really got to be interested in statistics. And I I would, I think I would enjoy that. You've given me some books I haven't read, so I'm looking forward to getting them. So why don't we each give two more and then we'll have given the initial 10 and then between us, we'll have given another 10. Yeah. I mean, like, listen, if, if they can't, if our listeners can't pick one of these books, that sounded interesting. So I will go a little bit off topic and it's not an econ book, but there's so much when I read this that was economics that was really fascinating. And I'm cheating a little bit because it's a three book series. Yeah. Um, But the the series is called this. It's called the Century Trilogy. Okay. Um, So these are not small books. They're by Ken Follett. Is the oh author. yes, I've heard of these. Yeah, uh, Fall of Giants, Winter of the World, and Edge of Eternity, and it follows mm-hmm. a number of families, basically starting in 1900 through 2000. It's fic- it's historical fiction, mm-hmm. but it is 
fascinating as you're living through the family when they're living through hyperinflation. And when you're living through the family who's going through breadlines and communism, and when you're living through just like all of the things that happen, and um, it's 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 very much not econ. It's just kind of pleasure <laughs> reading, but they're very yeah. they're long books. Um, I mean, I'm guessing to read the three, it's two thousand pages total, probably. I mean, I'm guessing these are seven hundred each, but it's it's very much more beach reading maybe than an econ book but it's really interesting like i got a thousand page beach read. hey that's how a hamilton <laughs> came about lin-manuel miranda picked uh, up ron chernoff's massive alexander hamilton book for a vacation and after about five pages he goes this is just like tupac and that that's how he wrote <laughs> hamilton but so who knows maybe somebody will write the next musical based on <sighs> reading this so that's um okay that's that's not an econ one but um audience might like it the other one is econ and we actually are having um one of the authors come to campus in october so it's uh leave me alone and i'll make you rich i have that book over on the other uh i bought that recently you have yeah. is, it, is art coming art carden is coming art, to okay yep deirdre mccloskey art carden um it's it's a little bit you know they they frame it this way it's a uh, mccloskey wrote you know speaking of two thousand pages of book like three books called uh, the bourgeois trilogy Mm -hmm. um and this is a much more condensed down version summary version of um and i thought it was a really great book so looking forward to actually having art come to susquehanna in early october that's open to the public if anybody wants to come visit susquehanna i believe it is thursday october 5th i believe i will that's when the uh international atlantic economics conference i believe is there's a conference in philadelphia that weekend um i don't know maybe they'll parlay that visit into the e so you could go to philly after you could come to susquehanna and then go to philly after so so you've got two more books for the audience now. i can i can give you two so i'll give you two non-econ one uh i'm gonna call them non-econ oh man i might want to give you three this might this is gonna be a very book only two one. you got it so. you got they save the other one will be okay. saved this is tough i really like to read um I opened two and then like, as I was scrolling through my Goodreads, I like saw a third one um, that I, I considered. Okay. I'll give you these two. Cause I think I would, I think I would sell these two harder than I would sell the third one. The third one was interesting, but these are, these are two better ones. One of them is one that I assigned to my economics of crime course. Um, when I last taught it uh, last spring or yeah, it was last spring. So I, it's a fascinating book. It is not intended to be an economics book, but he talks a lot about economics in it. Uh, so it was published in 2018 by Shane Bauer. Uh, he was an uh, he's an undercover journalist for a newspaper company, Mother Jones, I think is what it was. So he was a uh, he's an undercover reporter, or he at least I think he or investigative reporter. He wrote it, I think, for them. Um, what he does or what he did was he went undercover at a private prison in Louisiana uh, to sort of see what it's like being a security or a prison guard. Um, in a private prison. So he's not, he's obviously never been a, a public, he's not a, he's never been at a, re, a regular prison, but a, a state prison. He's never sure, been in one sure. of those. Um, so he talks about essentially, you know, how, what is the behavior like? What's the background check like? Uh, he was hired for $9 an hour to work as an entry level prison guard at a private prison in Louisiana. But what was really interesting, this is where I said the econ sort of comes in. Uh, the way that he sets up the book, I thought was really neat. Uh, he basically has a chapter that's about his experience, like what he's doing. So he's like, yeah, here I went to apply for the job and here was the process. And they sort of hired me without a background check. Like he, so he talks about it. And then in the very next chapter, he 
So like the even chapters two, four, six, eight, he is giving you like sort of the history of prison. So like chapter two is where did prisons start in the United States? Okay. Uh, the answer is actually Philadelphia, surprisingly. Hmm. Um, so the idea that like we brought prisoners over, but they were like indentured servants, but we actually started the first prison um, and talk about like the role of deterrence and manual labor and like having people work outside as, as like showing people not to commit crimes. Um, and then like chapter three in the book is talking about like his training experience. So you sort of see this, uh, it's a yeah. chronological story in the odd chapters of his experience. And then a chronological like history, sociology, economics of prisons. Hmm. Um, so it eventually talks like, where did we come up with the idea of private prisons? So that's later in the book, things like that. Super fascinating yeah, yeah. Uh, book. So there's that one. So I'm gonna say not econ, but like it's got some econ in it. Um, I really like history. So I have always been... Um, I, th- I always think like, you know, if you could go back to college, what degree would you get, you know, what would you do differently or would you do something differently? I think I would get a minor in history. I don't think I would major in it, Yeah. Um, but I find history fascinating, um, which is, I saw say, I find it fascinating, but also frustrating because I really, yeah, I'm going to, maybe I'll just sell out my own, my own learning in this process. I don't feel like I was taught history very well. Um, growing up, but like now that I'm older and I can sort of connect events better. Yeah. Um, I find history super fascinating. I feel like when I learned history, you learn it so chronologically of like, you know, here's the date, here's what happened, but you like learn U S history. And then you take another class that you learn world history. Yeah. Yeah. And you, you can't really connect that things are happening at the same time. So I'm constantly like shocked at like dates and like how not long ago things were sure, like, sure. like that should be way longer. Um, but one of the really cool books I read a few years ago, uh, it came out in 2019. It's a thick one. It's 500 pages long, but I thought it was fascinating. It's called how to hide an empire, a history of the greater United States. Um, have you read that one? No, you've recommended it before, okay. and I've had it on a list, and I yeah. just haven't gotten it yet. But. So the idea, broadly for our listeners, um, is the United States was founded on this idea that empires are bad. Uh, so this idea, right, like we want to fight the British Empire. It's not fair. We shouldn't be connected to them. Uh, we should be our own country. That sort of empires are bad was essentially kind of American Revolution. Uh, and then it talks about this idea that we've kind of grow up with this idea that empires are bad. We're taught that empires are bad. Meanwhile, the United States is forming an empire off of uh, the Virgin Islands and Guam and Puerto Rico and taking Hawaii. And like, we are essentially empire building without actually calling it an empire or things like having a military base in like almost every country. Um, We're doing empire-ish things, but we're hiding this empire and not saying we're doing empirical things. Hmm. Um, so it's super interesting. It's kind of from a framing standpoint, but it talks a lot about, you know, why is, uh, why, why is the, you know, we, we owned the Philippines for a while. Like, why is there such a weird relationship with the Philippines versus today? Um, you know, the purpose of Puerto Rico, things like that. So it was super interesting, interesting from okay. a history yeah. standpoint. Yeah. Well, hopefully for our listeners, if you have read every single book we've talked about <laughs> first, we need to hear from you and how in the yes. world that happened. Um, but no, that sounds, that's, uh, appreciate Appreciate everybody tuning in. Hopefully you found a book or two. Any, um, I mean, I think talking about books is probably close enough to research. We're going to have to talk about a research paper. Any yeah. pop culture jumping out at you that you might want to share? Ooh. Um, 
yeah so actually there is a there's this is gonna be a, a weird connection of, of pop culture but i think i yeah. can make it work um i assign reading in in all of my courses so i am a very big believer um and i don't know if this comes from my undergrad experience or what like my undergrad the the professors there were really big on assigning us like right i read freakonomics as part of a course uh, but they were very big on like read a book or read chapters from a book to sort of see what economics is happening like in things you read. So I've always really liked that. I do the same thing. So in my principles course, I assign Think Like a Freak. Um, in my crime course, I assign that American prison book, but I also assign Narconomics. In my labor economics course, I assigned um, New Geography of Jobs and We Wanted Workers. So like I, I've always sort of assigned books um, as part of the reading. It just makes mm -hmm. it better than a textbook. But what's interesting, and I think you'll probably, this is not going to be surprising, uh, that my students don't always read the book. Uh, they um, they just don't read the book. Yeah. And that's fine. We, like, we I were know, all students. and I yeah. Know, yeah, I was a student. Or, I, I yeah. know they don't read it. My answer is just read it eventually, right? Like if you didn't read it this week, yeah. catch up next week. Um, so pop culture wise, I can actually mix this together. I mentioned it earlier kind of briefly. Freakonomics was the top book recommendation five years ago on that. Like, would you recommend to a group? There is actually a Freakonomics movie. Uh, so if you're, if you don't want to read the book, you can watch the movie. Um, and, in, and, you know, that'll get you halfway there. I don't know which streaming platform it's on. Um, but there is a movie and there's a scene in it where they're talking about like, how do we incentivize kids to learn more? Um, and, you know, it talks about paying kids to get better grades and things like that. And there's a scene in there where the kid goes home to talk to his mom and he's telling his mom how he didn't do very well. And his mom's like, well, did you read the book? And he goes, well, I have the book. And like, you know, it's, she goes, that's not what I asked you. I said, did you read the book? And he goes, yeah. yeah, I read the book. And she goes, did you read the book? It's like, it's going back and forth. And he goes, no, I didn't really do it. Uh, and so I have that clipped actually in class. And so once they start in the beginning, they read, and then they start to slow down like week three, yeah. four, I put that back up and I, sh I play that for them. I'm like, but did you really read it? Yeah. Uh, and so I play that, but I guess. We can say pop culture with books. We should actually recommend, we talked about this a couple episodes ago. A Beautiful Mind is based off of a book. Uh, so Sylvia, I believe it's Sylvia Nassar. I'm not good at- Yes, I believe that's, that's the name. I do not know how the pronunciation. I, my pronunciation is probably wrong. Um, but when we talked about A Beautiful Mind a couple episodes ago about uh, John Nash and kind of his story and 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 health, uh, mental health issues, like yeah. The movie was fantastic with Russell Crowe, but it was based on a book. So we can say that, you know, some of these books may become movies one day, which I guess kind of makes it pop culture-ish. Yeah, yeah. So I hope I, I, don't, I don't get that one from you. I don't have a good book, um, like, from a book. I mean, I, the Century Trilogy, honestly, is probably, mm -hmm. yeah, I could argue with that. I'll, I'll tell everybody um, a sneak peek of one that I have coming out soon, though. For those who are 80s sitcom fans, so this is before your time, J-Dream, but although, who knows, maybe this, you watch the reruns. Um, I've got an episode coming out where the, the title of the or episode, uh, video on YouTube coming out, which, how much did Norm spend on beer from Ooh. Cheers? Okay. And we, we kind of do a dive and we start to figure out the, the cost of beer and the assumptions and just the opportunity cost of what could have been done with that is kind of staggering. So that's um, it's it's not at all related to what we're talking about, uh, except <laughs> we do enjoy having a drink on the. We do. On, on our I episodes. still have a a lot of this beer left because uh, it is it is sour uh, and it is a tall beer. So it is a tall gonna, beer. So I'm going to slowly drink yourself. this. We're drinking responsibly. So for the so uh, let me let me add one other one other thing for any of our listeners out there. Um, there is a great organization run out of Arizona called Econiful. 
that I want to highlight real quick. Econiful is run by amazing people. They've just got a really great team of people. Um, they do regularly put out, uh, I think they call it like six books. Um, they, they kind of, they put out a book list, like uh, I think every every half year or so. Like, uh, I don't know the dates that they actually do it. I don't know if they do it like December and um, if they do it like December and June or something like that. But they do put out a book list of like six books you should be reading. Uh, and it is intended for like economics audiences. So yeah. um, Econiful is a great group of it's a, people it's a great twitter follow um, great twitter follow. like they're really they do a lot of really cool stuff especially for high school teachers um they are based out of arizona but everything's online they're a non-profit group kind of focused on middle school high school um people but highly recommend following them getting some if you're a teacher get subscribed to them uh because then you can also get book recommendations and so i've picked up some of the books that they've recommended as well i just got um the edible econ edible economics i think is what it's called um they recommended this um, a couple of weeks ago, it's called A Hungry Economist Explains the World uh, by Hajun Chang. Chang, Chang or Chang, I'm not sure. Okay. Uh, he's Korean. He's a Korean economist uh, who's written some other books. So uh, I get book recommendations from them. They're, they do just really cool, amazing stuff. So I will yeah. shout out that if you need book, more book recommendations. Yeah, yeah we'll, put, we'll, we'll put a, our show notes are going to be tough on this one because there's a lot of links, but we'll yeah, we'll, okay. we'll link to all of these in the show there notes. There is a feature that allows me to create a, a scroll of images. So we'll just put all the book images yeah. together. So, well, thanks to everybody for tuning in. Um, if you are listening to this on your podcast app, if you could leave us a five-star review, we'd appreciate that. I was just scrolling through and maybe it's because it's mine, but you know, if I go to other podcasts, they'll have like the rating right below mm -hmm. the names. And I do not believe we have enough people who've rated us where that's coming in, at least on Apple yet. I'm so, going to have to, I'll get on Apple podcast. I'm not an Apple podcast listener, but uh, I will at least log on and yeah. Leave my uh, so, yeah, that's uh, if you like this, please uh, do leave a review with it is even better. Um, it could be short and just short and sweet. Um, if you don't like us, you know, don't bother. You don't have don't. to worry about that. Yeah. But uh, just close. If you don't like us, just close the app. And yeah, and don't um, worry about it. <laughs> I'm, I'm guessing most people who made it to minute 40 with us are, are probably yeah. more likely to do that. But thank you to everybody. Jadrian, it was great to talk with you again. Cheers, Matt. Um, cheers. Cheers.